Welcome to the Edge of the Wild podcast. Once you start this journey, there is no telling what may happen. There are no safe paths in this part of the world. Remember, you are over the edge of the wild now and in for all sorts of fun wherever you go. Hey friends, and happy 2023. I'm sitting here at my kitchen table on the first Thursday of January in a brand new year, 2023. And it's with uh, some hanging of the head that I'm finally getting back to Edge of the Wild podcast after some months away. I've run into similar problems as my first hiatus. Uh, earlier in 2022, um, just with life kind of uh, rearing its head and and demanding more attention, uh, aside from all the normal demands and things I've said yes to that are not required of me. Our family went through quite a few months of various illnesses and some procedures and uh, are hopefully coming out the other side. Even as I speak this, we are just um, recovering from an illness. As you know, families like to share. But um, I keep coming back to Edge of the Wild. I cannot get away from it, even if I'm physically away from it. Um, It's always there in my head and my heart wanting to get back. I think my biggest issue has been with the production side of things. It's not doing interviews. It's not coming up with content ideas. It is honestly uh, the tedium of editing audio and getting all the show notes together and uploading it. So I hope I have a solution in the works. I am um, training my eldest son who is interested and getting into uh, production and video and audio production to some level. Um, to try it on for a season to see if he enjoys it. And um, he has agreed, at least verbally, to uh, learn how to do my audio editing for the podcast and upload everything, basically to take care of all the technical side of things so that I can get on with uh, delivering content that will uh, challenge, comfort, inspire, and um, doing some great interviews with some amazing people. So we'll see how this uh, helps me stay more faithful to my original intention of delivering at least two episodes a month, the first and third Thursday of each month, which I've been very intermittent with, where it's come in fits and starts. So that's what's uh, been going on the last few months. Uh, I thought it'd be great to start out this year, uh, besides my uh, sincere apology I've just given and please do forgive me uh, for being intermittent with this. I do have other interviews in um, the can, just need to, again, get them edited and uploaded. Uh, But in the meantime, um, I wanted to share something that's very personal to me that I think is extremely fitting for this time of year. It's an ebook which I wrote in 2015, or began writing in 2015, and actually just recently finished a, I think it is a second or third round of edits and revisions and updates. 
And it's an ebook that it really took me a long time to get to. It had been in my mind and heart for well over a decade before I actually began writing it. But eventually I got there. Um, it's just about 80 pages long with original photography from our time on the island of Ireland and visits since how we moved back to the States in 2010. Um, the book title is called Discovering Your Rhythm of Life, Ancient Wisdom for Living the Good Life. And it really, for me, was birthed out of a desire to answer the question, what does life lived best look like for me right now in the season I was in when I wrote it and since. And I hope it might be a question that you might decide to ask yourself as well. The inspiration for this ebook came primarily from early Christian monastic communities. That is to say, intentional communities of faith, where oftentimes their lives would be separated into at least three distinguishable segments each day. They would have time for prayer, time for study, and time for work. And oftentimes their work would, would include not only taking care of the place that they called home, the monastery itself, but also in creating. Sometimes it was bread, sometimes it's, it was beer, sometimes it was something else that would often obviously benefit their own Christian community, but frequently too, from my understanding, the community uh, around the monastery as well. So the fact that they were so intentional about how to utilize their time for the good of others, their community and the region, was something that really appealed to me um, when I first began really leaning in um, to this question about what does life lived best look like for me right now in my late 20s and has persisted ever since so that I want my life, my resources, my relationships, my health, for instance, my finances, my sphere of influence, um, my intellect, my, um, uh, you know, skills and training all to be turned back out for the good of the world. And so um, this ebook came out of that pursuit. And I'd like to share the first chapter of it with you. Of course, you won't have the benefit of the original photography, which I really enjoyed both taking and editing and inserting. Uh, but I do hope to make this ebook available online in the very near future uh, via platform for a small fee on its own or as a part of a soul care package of the soul care that I would offer through Soul Friend, my um, organization that we started just before leaving Ireland. So, if you are ready, I'd like to invite you to get yourself into a space that would allow you uh, to relax, to breathe deeply, to think more clearly, and to invite some inspiration 
into the next few moments as we explore discovering your rhythm of life, ancient wisdom for living the good life. If you want to change society, then you must tell an alternate story. Ivan Illich, Austrian philosopher. Changing the world. Ever had a desire to change the world? I do nearly every single day. I used to take great pride in referring to myself as driven, rooting my identity in how I could make things happen. It wouldn't be inconceivable to suggest that I nurtured a messianic complex of sorts. But at its core, this desire stems from the belief that we are made to change the world. We change the world around us through the unique gifts, passions, and personality we've been given. When we surrender to a cause greater than our own aggrandizement. However, the reality is that changing the world will, nine times out of ten, begin with our lives being changed first. And that is no small challenge. I now desire to be led, led beside still waters and into green pastures with sweeping vistas. I want to be shown how to invest myself so I can see the world change, beginning with my little part of it. For those of us in the Western world, around the last week of each year, it happens. We begin to think about the year ahead, which commences on January 1st. We think about what we'd like the year to look like, especially in contrast to the year we've just experienced. We might begin thinking about how we can make the next year better, how we can finally do things we wanted to do, things that we never found time to do last year. Better still, we might desire to change ourselves, hopefully becoming more of the person we desire to be than the person we were last year. What happens once January 1st arrives is a coin toss. Some begin to live out those good intentions by making necessary changes. Others relegate those New Year's resolutions to the wistful status of someday. For those who act on New Year's resolutions, chances are most meet the end of their new lifestyle somewhere around March or February or earlier. How can we make good on our desire to create good habits? How do we really change for the better? Every one of us is in search of the good life. Humanity has been infatuated with this pursuit from antiquity, with philosophers such as Socrates seeking to define what the good life is. Today, an incredible number of people are promising to lead us on the path to acquire it. Typically, I dislike the category of books known as self-help and detest much of what's offered to readers under that moniker. I wonder if we have ever, really ever been able to help ourselves since so many of our problems are perennial. And there is a steady stream of new books, blog posts, and podcasts offering a new solution. Although there is certainly something of value in our effort to change, which at the very least can be inviting the help of others in our time of need, the self-help movement promises much. Think and grow rich the four-hour work week, the 10 rules for dot, 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 six easy steps to dot, 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 etc., but delivers less. 
There is no shortage of authors and speakers touting the latest, greatest insight packed as a very succinct and somewhat superficial solution for our present need. Will this ebook be any different? I hope so. However, it was written with a similar motivation as many other authors who desire to share what they've learned and hopefully found helpful for their own lives. I desire to see all of us, yes, myself included, live life to the full. This is a process, and I, like you, would certainly be happy to at least live life more fully than I do at present. What does that look like on a daily basis? How does it happen? Here's an urban legend you may have heard, which illustrates truths that are irreplaceable as we begin to explore what it means to live life to the full. It's been told in various forms for at least 75 years. It goes like this. Navy communications officer. This is the USS Missouri requesting that you immediately divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. Over. Other voice. Please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid collision. Navy Captain. This is Captain Scott. You will divert your course. Over. Other voice. Negative Captain. I'm not moving anything. Change your course. Over. Navy Captain. Sir, this is the USS Missouri, the second largest vessel in the North Atlantic Fleet. You will change course 15 degrees to the south, or I will be forced to take measures to ensure the safety of this ship. Over. Other voice. This is a lighthouse, Captain. It's your call. You can watch this humorous story played out in numerous videos online with a quick search. What it reveals to us is a lesson in perspective, humility, and priorities. It's easy to understand how the captain of a well-armed vessel serving in the Navy of a world superpower might believe he has the upper hand in the obstacle facing him. However, he failed to anticipate the wild card life often presents us. The captain needed some perspective. The obstacle he faced could not be overcome a strategy he was using. The presence of a lighthouse was a game changer. It necessitated a response completely different than the captain's initial plan. A good dose of humility would have helped the captain be more flexible in facing this challenge. Humility not only implicitly offers respect for, to others, it illumines additional options for tackling challenges in our lives. Both perspective and humility are essential for establishing healthy priorities. Having received some much needed perspective and humility, the captain soon realized his new priority was to change the course of the ship to avoid impending doom. I love the line, this is a lighthouse captain, it's your call. With a new course charted, the ship and all its crew members would live to tell the story and fulfill the purpose of their mission. Simply said, priorities are like fixed stars in the night sky by which we navigate through life. What priorities are guiding your life? What are the big, immovable rocks in your life? What have you made a priority? Time with your loved ones? Your education? Your finances? 
a cause, teaching or mentoring others. Where does Father God factor into your life? Your priorities chart the course of your life. Life seems busier than it's ever been. We have more time-saving gadgets and systems, yet we seemingly have less time to live life, to really live. We even have systems to manage our systems. We have programs to interact with other humans so we don't have to, and therefore, ideally, save more time to do what we're really, quote-unquote, meant to be about. But what is it we're meant to be about? What does it mean to simply be human? How do we find out what our unique telos or purpose is on planet Earth? In American society, we're often isolated in our climate-controlled, people-protected environments. And we're sinking, sinking deeper into confusion, frustration, and despair. We've complicated things, distancing ourselves from real life, and we've lost ourselves in the process. Much of what we experience in contemporary American life is reason enough to adopt Johnny Diaz's song, Breathe, as our theme song. But are we hearing the other voice? Authentic relationships are now on the endangered list. At times, we catch a faint whisper on the winds. Simplicity, silence, and solitude are calling to us as if from a far country. They call us they call to us from a new direction, not the place we've led ourselves, lost in busyness and tasks. The famous words of St. Augustine come to mind. You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. Fulfillment, hope, and joy become our traveling companions as we journey from where we are toward the life we're being called to live. Be still. What are the big rocks in your life? Take some time to identify your top five priorities in life and write them down. Of course, if you're driving right now or riding a bike or running and you can't do that, please come back to this. But really take time to think about what are those big rocks in your life, the priorities you have that you build your life around. And take some time to identify the top five and make a note of them somewhere where you will re be able to revisit them. A few years ago, just before the new year arrived, I began to hear God's quiet whisper, be still. Just as I was planning, dreaming, and scheming about how I'd enter the new year like a meteor streaking through the stratosphere, his words, be still, seared through my soul. I was planning how I would make a huge impact, but so was he. We just had differing ideas of what that would look like and how it would happen. Be still. Would I capitulate to his gentle invitation? Or continue in the way I had planned. This invitation from God is found in verse 10 from chapter 46 in the book of Psalms, where God says, Be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. My family and I called the island of Ireland home for 11 years. While living there, I regularly sought out thin places to meet with God and gain clarity about life. In the early Irish or Celtic Christian tradition, thin places were physical locations where heaven and earth seemed to come very close to one another. Another way to say it is that thin places are where you become acutely aware of God's nearness to you. Thin places are different for each person. Although I'm deeply committed to gathering together with those who are passionately pursuing the one who passionately pursues us, I often struggle to feel close to God in church settings. However, I have always felt near to our Creator in His creation. Put me in the woods, next to the ocean, or traversing a mountain path, and I am almost instantly in awe of Him who made it all. I am compelled to worship God in the great outdoors, and I find it easier to communicate with our Heavenly Father away from the crowds, saturated in the beauty He's fashioned. There were two thin places I regularly visited while living in County Tipperary, Ireland. One was a park bench, hugging the side of a mountain overlooking Loch Derg, and the other was a small ruined monastery, hidden in a field of cows near Ross Cray, Tipperary. The monastery is called Moynihentia, which means the monastery on the island of the living. It was to these places I regularly retreated in an attempt to hear the voice of the Father by practicing stillness. The call to be still is something I've been familiar with longer than I can remember. But the practice of being still is like trying to slow an oncoming train by blowing against it as if it were a birthday candle. Not going to happen. However, just because something is extremely hard does not mean it isn't worth doing. In fact, I believe the hardest things in life are usually the most worth doing. In relationships, to really see someone, to look into their eyes and to hear their heart requires slowing down. Being still with someone is essential for meaningful relationship. The same is true of relationship with God. Interestingly, being still creates space for new thoughts to emerge, new dreams to grow, and new ways of thinking to develop that guide our lives. In order for our souls to be refreshed, we must sleep. But to sleep, we must stop. Slowing down and even stopping is critical. It's actually key to fulfilling our divine purpose on this planet. Here's why. But before, a reminder. Be still. Do you have a practice of regularly slowing down or stopping your daily activities to rest or to be still? If not, what has kept you from it? Would it require trust to slow down and even take a day off from work-related activity on a weekly basis? What would you need to trust Father God with to put this into practice? I hope this episode of the Edge of the Wild podcast challenged and inspired you. For more information on this episode, please see our show notes. 
If you'd like to know more about our sponsoring organization, Soul Friend, and its related services and events, please visit artistsoulfriend.com. My name is Shane Tucker, and the best is yet to come. The quote in the podcast intro is from J.R.R. Tolkien's renowned work, The Hobbit, or There and Back Again, published in 1937.